Well, good morning again. I'm uh, glad to be back here in the pulpit at Ainsworth United Church of Christ. This is my home congregation, if you don't know it, and it might be surprising to you because I'm here so rarely. Um, that's because I have uh, another job as the director of the Center for Peace and Spirituality and university chaplain at Pacific University, which keeps me away and busy, and, and it's uh, a happy job and a fulfilling job. Uh, but, uh, but I am part of this congregation, and that means a lot to me because this place is such a, a special congregation, a, um, a place so deeply concerned about justice. And there couldn't be a time where we need to be more concerned about justice. Is that, is that so? These are, as you know, interesting times. That's an understatement. They've been interesting for a while now, and I can't be entirely certain when American society jumped the shark, but it happened. Was it the impeachment of Bill Clinton? The 2000 election that saw the loser of the popular vote go on to assume the presidency? And then after the horrible attacks of 9-11, start a preemptive war under false pretenses against Iraq? Maybe it goes back further. Regardless of when it occurred, something changed. And then it got worse. Since the November elections and now the inauguration, there's been an ugly and polarizing spirit that has gripped the nation. People have taken to the streets, upset. And the simple fact that the candidate with the least votes won the presidency twice now in the last 20 years. And that's not my understanding of how democracy is supposed to work. I thought the winner of the vote won. But because of a quirk in the Constitution, that's not so. And people have taken to the streets because of that and because of the policies that the new president has promised to implement and has started to implement. Now there was, there was just nothing normal about the 2016 elections, and nothing normal about the Trump presidency so far. There's a great essay this week in Sojourner's Magazine written by Wes Granberg Michelson, and he writes this. He says, more than in any recent memory, this election has had a spiritual impact that has been sent rippling through society and impacting people's lives. This simply isn't like a victory of Republican over Democrats or vice versa. Let's be clear about what's happened. This country has elected as president a person who has aroused evil fears of racial bigotry to gain political power, who blamed and demonized vulnerable immigrants, and who displayed the most vulgar behaviors towards women, who expressed wholesale mistrust towards Muslims, who tried to criminalize his opponent, who attacked the functioning of the free press, who dismissed threats to the planet's sustainability, who promised to wall off America from outsiders, and who pledged to protect economic security of the nation's most wealthy, even while shielding his own wealth from public accountability. And that doesn't even begin 
to mention that he did all this with the help of a foreign power, Russia in this case, to undermine his opponent. Faithful adherence to democratic values is something that we have to continue with. And what we need right now more than anything is a display of moral resistance to the policies that are being put forth before us. That will be the key to defeating Donald Trump, not just in political terms, but in spiritual terms. I'm not looking ahead towards the next election, but to next week, as he tries to fight for his Muslim ban, as he tries to weaken environmental protections, as he tries to dismantle the Civil Rights Office and the U.S. Department of Justice, and seemingly argues that there are that, excuse me, uh, some of this is so astounding to me that I just have to keep catching my breath from to, to think about it. That there are, that threats to war are a better path to overtures to peace. Now Trump is a demagogue. And such people feed on chaos. So Trump has worked in earnest to create fear and division. His words incite violence. Falling to his level will only help create political conditions favorable to Donald Trump. So it's critical that we continue to engage in our democratic institutions by contacting our members of Congress to express our viewpoints. We have a civic and moral responsibility to take to the streets when there are policies that we deem to be immoral. Many of you were at the women's march that took place the weekend before last. Many of you were downtown protesting and many of you were at the airport like I was this past weekend. Donald Trump is no ordinary politician. Let's get this straight. Like George Wallace in 1968, Trump ran on a campaign based on racism and bigotry. He is a white nationalist. He is a white supremacist. Can we say what it is that he is? Trump threatens immigrants with police actions and journalists with retribution if they don't give him good coverage. His attitude towards women is beyond awful. And there's more. A laundry list. Back, back this summer, there was a quote that I came across from 1936. It was from Adolf Hitler. And Adolf Hitler said at that time, in a hundred years' time, perhaps, a great man will appear who may offer them, the Germans he was speaking to, a chance at salvation. He'll take me as a model, use my ideas, and follow the course that I have charted. And that same work, that same week, I heard Donald Trump utter these words. Politicians have used you and stolen your votes. They have given you nothing. I will give you everything. I will give you what you've been looking for. I'm the only one. 
This is a theme that's been repeated again and again. In the course of those months since the summer, he has continued to attack the independence of our judicial system, threatened journalists, threatened judges, like he did again this weekend who ruled against him on the Muslim ban. Tried to implement a ban on Muslim people from certain countries coming to America. All the while working to take away rights from women across the globe by disempowering them from making their own health care decisions. We have to offer moral resistance to the times in which we live. What we cannot do, what we cannot do is we cannot turn to violence. Progressives and social media cheered last week when a neo-Nazi was punched. Did y'all see this? Truth be told, it might even make me feel good to punch a Nazi. <laughs> the hashtag punch a Nazi even trended on Twitter, where people argued the moral imperative to punch Nazis. So I was at the airport last week protesting the Muslim ban, and a bunch of, they called themselves preachers, showed up. This is a bunch of white supremacists, is what they really were, neo-Nazi white supremacist preachers. And this protest was peaceful as can be, but they came there to agitate. They came there to incite violence, and they were good at what they did. They were very effective. They knew exactly how to push the buttons of the people who were there. They saw me there with my clerical collar on, and they said, look at that guy, he's not a minister, he's a pedophile, he's a Catholic pedophile. And I thought, y'all don't even know the difference, how to tell the difference between a Catholic and a Protestant. But I couldn't get into that. There was a time. But they were getting on people's nerves, and people in the crowd were getting angry, and they were getting ready to punch these guys. And so I stood in front of them. I stood in front of the Nazi preachers and the people. And I said, you can't hit them, because if you hit them, you give them the power. You give them exactly what they want. You feed into the chaos that they thrive off of. And people stood back. I went to the police and I said, you've got to help. You've got to help. You've got to get yourselves over here and protect the people because these folks are trying to incite violence. And you know what the police did? Nothing. They stood there on the sidelines. And so I got on my phone and I started to tweet to Ted Wheeler, the mayor of the city of Portland, and said, Ted, where are you? Here are white supremacists trying to incite violence in your own city and your police are doing nothing. And so I went back over to the white supremacists and I tried to put myself back into that crowd again, but it didn't last too long before the white supremacists started throwing punches. And then the crowd dispersed a little bit and then they went back into the airport and the white supremacists threw more punches. And guess what happened? Somebody threw a punch at one of the white supremacists and knocked him unconscious. And now that man says, that white supremacist Nazi preacher, who says that he's out there preaching the gospel, says that he's going to sue the man who hit him. The man who hit him was acting in self-defense. 
He was acting in self-defense. But that can't be our answer to these folks. And certainly not proactive violence. The hashtag punching Nazi trending on Twitter is not the way that we want to go. Such chaos and vigilante justice only serves to empower Trump and his allies who feed on that kind of uncertainty. As Christians, we are called to practice non-violence. But don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Non-violence is not non-action. Walter Rink, y'all know Walter Wink? One of the great, greatest scholars on Jesus and nonviolence. He wrote that Jesus revealed a way to fight evil with all our power without being transformed into the very evil that we fight. It is a way, the only way possible, of not becoming what we hate. Do not counter evil in kind. This insight is distilled essence, stated with sublime simplicity of the experience of those Jews who had, in Jesus' very lifetime, so courageously and effectively practiced nonviolent direct action against Rome. Jesus abhors both passivity and violence. He articulates out of the history of his own people's struggle a way by which violence can be opposed without being mirrored. The oppressor resisted without being emulated. The enemy neutralized without being destroyed. Last night I tweeted out that I was coming here and that I was going to preach on moral resistance. And a Donald Trump supporter tweeted out to me, are Trump supporters welcome in your church? I said, we have a slogan in the United Church of Christ. No matter who you are, or no matter where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. So yes, you are welcome in this church. Just please don't punch anybody. (laughs) Now, I don't want y'all to go out and get hit. Don't allow that. Don't go out to a protest and let somebody hit you. But don't go out and emulate those who would oppress this nation and our people. In the end, we don't want to replace one right-wing demagogue with another left-wing demagogue. All holding on to power with violence and oppression. That's not what we want. Scripture often talks about gardens, including this passage this morning from Isaiah. A flush garden overflowing with food, with lush streams and lush vegetables, seems to be the idyllic image of the world that God intends for us. Indeed, it is the world God first lays out for all humanity. It's the first place that we come to. But time and time again, we let that garden go to waste. And we hear that again in this passage here. And we let our worship life go to waste too. We pray for things that we don't really need. And we let our petty disagreements with each other get in the way of doing real work for justice. And aren't progressives just really, really good at this? God's ever-present challenge to us is to rebuild the garden. And to offer moral resistance to those who would destroy creation. 
Sometimes that means we have to look in the mirror and see what side it is that we are on ourselves. Are we building up the garden? Or maybe even unintentionally tearing it down. So our path would seem to be clear. We must offer a non-violent moral resistance to these times in which we live. We must stand up with our Muslim brothers and sisters. We must stand up with women. We must stand up with our gay and lesbian and bisexual and transgendered brothers and sisters. We must stand up with immigrants coming to America. We must stand up with the children are part of this church and all the children in our community and around the world. We must stand up with earth, the earth, God's creation. We did not seek these challenges, but here they are before us. As the people of God, we must reorder our lives with the hope that we can contain the damage and be the repairers of the breach, the restorers of streets to live in. Amen. Amen.